We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season 12 of the Dateable Podcast. It's our 12th time trying to get to the bottom (laughs) of people's behavior when it comes to modern dating, modern romance, modern love, sex, and relationships. And here we are. We're still here. (laughs) We've made it through the pandemic, sort of. We're like, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Ah. (laughs) Julie doesn't. I do because my parents got vaccinated. So I feel like there is a little bit of glimmer of hope there. And we are back for a 12th season, y'all. That is crazy. We say this every season. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe we're back for another season. Most TV shows don't get past the fourth season. Just so you know, it's a fact. So the idea of us getting to 12th season, uh, albeit on our own accord, is a a miracle in itself. And I'm very proud of us. Yeah, I think anytime I like talk about the podcast to anyone, I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for five years. And it's like, it is an accomplishment. Like, I think you and I undersell the accomplishment a lot of times. But to stick with something for five years and see the growth that we have, like, of course, we thank all of you for that growth. So thanks again for being here. I think we've learned, especially through this pandemic, that we cannot do any of this without our wonderful community. And while we have had some amazing team members along the way, it really just has been Julie and I. Julie edits every episode. She is the one that made the website, which we've gotten a lot of compliments on. I just wanted to like kind of peel back like this veil and let you guys know that this is actually the child between Julie and I. Like there is there is no other <laughs> team supporting us. And and we're so grateful recently we brought on Louise to help us with live events and she's fantastic. And it just shows that our 
our show is growing, we are growing, and this podcast is growing, mm-hmm. the community is growing, and we can't wait to expand the team even more. But still know that we're putting in yep. the work and you know it, it's not easy at all. Podcasting is a lot more work than I think anyone does ever realizes. But that being said, it brings both UA and I great joy, which is what keeps us going with it. And I think especially talking to like guests like we have today, we have freaking amazing guest Connor Beaton, that is the founder of Man Talks. And he has a podcast Man Talks. And we've heard him on many podcasts. And we were like, we need to get Connor because he's just so incredible, so much words of wisdom. So I think that's like, obviously, all of you in the community that we talk to on a daily basis, but then just talking to some really freaking cool people. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. has really been it because you and I learn from every interaction all the time. Connor definitely pushed me a little on this episode. And I thought it was, (laughs) there's one point that UA is like, am I still here? Are we in a therapy session? (laughs) Am I still on this podcast? Or am I watching a TV show? It was the best (laughs) damn reality TV show I've seen in a really long time. And I love The Bachelor, but this was definitely even better. The the episode is all about emotional availability. What does that even mean? How many times have you Heard people say that they were looking for someone emotionally available. How many times have you said you're looking for someone emotionally available? I've definitely said it myself, even though not knowing what it meant exactly. But I think this episode really shed some light on if you're going to use those words, you got to know what those words mean, not just from like, I'm looking for this in a partner perspective, but also looking at yourself and asking, am I even emotionally available? Yeah, I think a lot of times we think because we have a lot of emotions, it makes us emotionally available, Mm -hmm. but that is not always hand in hand. Um, I think that one of the reasons why we also want to touch on this topic, I mean, for many reasons, but it's been one of our popular buzzwords in the dateable community. We have the the best-selling piece of merch that we have is socially distant yet emotionally available, which came from a guy's hinge profile that i saw screenshotted <laughs> little, and does put he know. It little does he know he's just like launched this entire episode right now so of course we had to call this socially distant yet emotionally available that is the dateable term thank you random guy from hinge that i have no idea what your name is but you could find your quote your profile on our instagram so he should be honored so we're obviously in february Valentine's Day on the brain for many of us. I don't know about this year, like how how much, how prominent Valentine's Day is. I think a lot of, you know, single people are like, we're in the pandemic. But anyways, it's still Valentine's Day approaching. I've noticed particularly just a surge of people like on dating apps between the first of the month and now. Mm. And I think one of the things that I re- I did as a hack, and I've heard this before from people, so I decided to try it myself, was I feel like on Bumble, I was kind of like hitting that road that I'm like, I feel like I'm not seeing anyone that I feel good about. I'm, I'm just going to try to restart the app. So mm-hmm. I basically shut down the app created a whole brand new profile, like use the exact same photos and language, but just basically re-trigger the whole algorithm. And now I'm getting like crazy matches. It's amazing. Because now you're fresh meat. Exactly. And I'm getting like high quality people that I'm interested in. However, I've noticed there's definitely more of a sexual energy on Bumble than Hinge. Like Hinge, you never get any of those like 
comments thrown in where Bumble it definitely like mimics Tinder a little more in that regard with like a sexual undertone, you know, like in oh. conversations. I've noticed it a lot more on Bumble, but it could just be like a quantity thing too. I think Hinge is a little more like less matches, but higher quality I've found. Again, personal experience. Maybe people out there have had totally different experience with Bumble. They're like, no, I get all that shit on Hinge and I don't get it on Bumble. I've just mm. noticed it and I think some of it is because the branding of Hinge of more of a relationship app. I guess maybe it depends on your location too. Which is insane to think about because Hinge started out as such a juvenile app. I remember when they first launched, it was like for I don't know, like I was getting 22 year olds. And now it's sort of like the mature dating app. I'm glad to see them evolving for sure. It's just a total 180 from when they first started. I don't know if it was that. I know what you're talking about because I was getting that too. I think what it was is that you didn't need the double opt-in on Hinge originally. And even people outside of your so-called age settings could find you and message you Mm -hmm. and they've changed it. So now it's like it's still they'll only show you people in your criteria because I totally remember remember that I was getting like a bunch of 22 year olds like hitting me up on Hinge. Which is great. It's great for the ego. I mean, don't (laughs) don't get me wrong. But also when you're looking for a relationship, you're like, you sure? (laughs) Well, they took that (laughs) feedback and they made that change. (laughs) That is a very interesting hack. Yeah. Anyone that's feeling stuck or like they're not getting the matches they like want to be getting, maybe it's as simple as restarting your app. Just saying putting it out there for people. And you can take that literally or figuratively. Maybe you just need to restart your whole dating approach too. It's like wipe all your apps clean, delete them from your phone, and then add them back in one at a time. What was it that when we were doing the, uh, you brought this up a few months ago when we were talking about like resetting intentions. And I think you were talking about this article where this person's like, do, like unsubscribe yourself to everything. Yeah. And then resubscribe to only the things that you want to hear from or want to be part of. And I think that's the same thing with dating. Let's start resubscribing to a very curated list of apps or services or websites that you want to be on. Totally, totally. But speaking of things that you should be subscribed to, we have the most dateable contest coming up. How exciting. This is our first annual (laughs) co-ed competition. Most dateable 2021. (laughs) Uh, It is our rendition of a much more progressive pageant as we will not be doing any of that shallow bullshit, but we are in this contest to find who is the most dateable 2021. We have six amazing contestants, three amazing judges, and one amazing night. Am I selling it yet? Yeah, you are. The amazing yeah, you are. <laughs> February 18th, it is open to the public. We don't usually open the sounding board events to the public. This is the one we are opening to the public. You can get tickets at datablepodcast.com slash events, or you can just go on our website, datablepodcast.com, follow us on Instagram. We are posting every day about it because we are so damn excited. We really are. And if you're not in the Facebook group yet, Love in the Time of Corona, definitely get in there because we are revealing contestants. We've already revealed two of them. We're going to be revealing the next two and then the next two over this week. So you definitely want to see who's in it. Super excited about our contestants. We got like hundreds 
hundreds of submissions yes. in terms of videos. And we actually had to enlist a panel of judges because you and I are like, we can't be the ones because we nope. know so many people personally. We're like, we want a subjective look at it. Everyone, of course, is most dateable in our eyes. But this is just, you know, like a fun thing to do. Like in San Francisco, there's been this competition for years, the Mr. Marita contest. And <laughs> it's like a male pageant and it raises money for uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is great and it's always really fun like it's funny it's like people just it's no one no one takes it too seriously but it's like a good night out and we're hoping to recreate something like that virtually for you all because we know it sucks we know it sucks that we don't do events and have things to look forward to on our calendar so hoping that this is something that people have marked on their calendar and are looking forward to i know i am so and people have asked what do you win if you win most dateable 2021 in addition to some swag and sweet ass gear from our merch shop and also just other prizes that we have planned. It's also what I would call accountability. If you have the reputation of most dateable 2021, you better be accountable for your actions and you better make sure that you stay true to, to your dateability throughout the year. <laughs> so I think for anybody who wins this title, all eyes are on them, right? And we want to make sure that they are putting into the universe what is the most dateable qualities and also receive from the universe some of the most dateable people in their arsenal. And I, I thought about this recently because we were, you know, this episode, we're talking about emotional availability, and then we're talking about most dateable. What does that actually mean? And I think it really means about giving, giving to people. And I let me explain this because it sounds a little bit wacky for now. I've been reading a lot about this idea of giving and receiving. And a, a lot of us feel entitled to receiving, but we're so we're so reluctant to give, especially when it comes to dating. Julie coined this great phrase, relationship chicken, where everybody's like afraid to step forward in a relationship to say, hey, I mm -hmm. like you. I want to to this next level. So then what happens? You stagnate. Nothing happens. When you give in relationships or in dating, you do not expect anything back. And the way the universe works is that once you give, it has something to turn on. That's what mm -hmm. makes the universe go around. If we all stop giving into the universe, we receive nothing. Do we understand that? Like it's, it's a one <laughs> big cycle. And I wish we can understand that when it comes to modern dating. If you want to be dateable, if you want to be emotionally available, mm -hmm. first have the giving mindset instead of the I'm entitled to receiving. Right, right. Because how can you expect someone to give back to you if you're not willing to give? And then if you give and they don't, then at least you know you did what you need to do. Like I was talking to a friend about this this weekend, actually, when we went out to dinner and she was like making up kind of all these stories. And I'm like, just message the guy, like ask like what is up. And she like messaged me today and was like, yeah, I followed your advice. Like he's waiting to get vaccinated with his parents and then said like he would be down to do something. I'm like, see, like now, you know, and worst case, like, you know, and it's not what you want to hear, but at least you can just move forward and you know, you gave all that you could. 
I think so long I was like afraid of rejection. So I would never like speak up and do that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I'd rather like, you know, get to the second or third date or whatever. Like it was some trophy. And I'm like, you know what? Like, who cares? Like if it's not the right fit, like it doesn't matter if you get to the second or third date or whatever your arbitrary date number is. I think for me, I'm like, I'd rather be authentic and show up. And then if someone's not willing to meet me, then at least I know. And it's just time to move on to someone that will. Like, I think there was actually a quote I put up on Instagram and it got a shit ton of likes this weekend. I think this sums it up 100%. And it's like, you are not hard to love. You just ask the wrong person to try. Mm. And I think honestly, a lot of modern dating is, it's hard because it's like you hear advice that you're like, you need to give people more of a chance. And some people might, like if that's your like setback, like you're not giving enough people shots, then you might be that person that needs to go and like make date number two or three your default. I personally feel like I'm the type that gives so many chances sometimes. And I think what I need to work on is saying like, okay, if I recognize you're not the right person, instead of continuing to give chance after chance, like move on to someone that is gonna meet me. Sometimes it really just depends. And it's it comes back to knowing yourself and like, where is the area that you need to kind of emphasize? What we get so fixated on the little things, the text back, the call back, the reassurance, when we forget the big picture of things, when you put it all in perspective, none of the shit matters when you're trying to do life with someone. We've said this over and over again. No. And I always want to bring this back to a close college friend of mine who right now is her husband's battling stage four stomach cancer and his health took a turn for the worse. And they have two beautiful kids together. And she said, all we can do right now is create as many, many memories as possible. When you think about a scenario like that, shouldn't you be rushing into creating memories with someone versus wasting your fucking time on whether you should text someone back, whether you should reach out to someone? You're just trying to find someone to create memories with. That is it. You don't have all the time in the world on this earth. So with the limited time we do have, find the people you want to create memories with and do it. Stop trying to second guess yourself. I'm, I get really passionate about this because I can't, I'm like so sick of people wasting time. Don't waste time. Yeah. And I mean, we actually did for the sounding board. I mean, most of you that have been with us for a while have heard about the sounding board. If you're new to Datable, we have a members only community. That's honestly, I feel like the best people ever. We actually had Janice, our moderator, write about like how wonderful this group is and it feels like like a legit core group of friends and just like how much she values everyone and we're I'm like that is exactly what we're trying to do with the sounding board you know like give people mm-hmm. that like sounding board to like help them through their dating lives and that friendship and connection that everyone needs right now and one of the so we have an audio series that's available for all our tiers and we did it focused on anxiety this month like reducing anxiety when it comes to dating and relationships mm-hmm. and and I think uh, this is a really relatable topic. I know I've been there before. We've heard this over and over again from people in the community. So if you want that audio series, definitely join the sounding board, datablepodcast.com slash sounding board. Also, if you are in the the two upper tiers, friends with benefits and exclusive relationship, you're essentially comped for the most dateable show this month also. So, and I think it goes exactly what you're saying, UA. It's like, why waste the time wondering what someone's thinking or getting like all bent out of shape and worked out about something? Like when at the end of the day, you're never going to know until there is a conversation. Of course, easier said than done. And we walk through like all the steps to manage and reduce 
that anxiety. We're never saying like, it's just going to magically go away. But I think so much of it is like waiting and making moves and kind of like strategic strategizing this like game plan. And you're right. It's like, if someone is going to be turned off that I text them, like I, that's how are you going to have a relationship with that person? It's so funny because we are such because we are inundated with so much information these days with the internet, with all the resources that we have, we feel like we have to be really informed with every decision we make, especially when it comes to dating. We're like, let's weigh all the options. I will Google other people who've been in this situation. But if you really think about it, what we're all guilty of is not taking action because all we're doing is creating these Mm -hmm. scenarios in our mind. Even though you think you're strategizing All you're really doing is creating this other universe that doesn't really exist. The only universe that really exists is your reality. And the reality is only fueled by action. So I'm, I'm very, I'm like, I get really hyped about this because it shows that we have so much power to control our lives, but we we re- relinquish that power to other people mm-hmm. or to, oh, maybe because of this or excuses when you are the one in control of your own life. So let's go out there and make these actions. And I really love this audio series we just did about anxiety because anxiety is, is stems from the unknown. And guess what? we're always going to have unknowns in our life. That is something out of our control. The only thing you have control over is what you can do today, here, and now. Yeah. And to p- bring it back to this week's episode, um, you and I always like to like kind of like hand select the season opener because we like to set it off on mm-hmm. a certain tone. And there were so many good ones to choose from this season. So the next couple that we've already recorded, like you all are in for a treat. We got some good people, so good. including our moderator, Janice. So get ready for that. We saw a lot of excited people in the Facebook group when they saw the teaser video. They saw Janice in it. But yes. we also have some other amazing guests and experts and just, you know, everyday person going through shit with modern dating. With Connor Beaton, I think the part that we really loved about him was we talked about emotional availability, which we talked about as a hot buzzword, but it was all about like, what action can you take? And it's not just about like assessing if someone's emotionally available. So besides buying that socially distant yet emotionally available sweatshirt on the dateable shop, there is other action you can take. I I, I love this episode because he does turn it around to like, what can you do to become more emotionally available? Thus in turn, that's how you'll start attracting like, like attracts like. Because we're not psychics. We can't read people's minds. I can't even tell you, Julie, how many times my clients when I was doing dating coaching would come to me and ask me to read someone's mind. That's exactly what they're trying to get me to do. What do you think she means by this text? What do you think he wants to happen? But what Connor did with Julie through an exercise in this episode (laughs) was just so, to me, it was so empowering because he was like, stop guessing what other people think and let's get into Mm -hmm. you who who are you and what do you want to happen Mm -hmm. i cannot wait for y'all to listen to this episode but before we do we want to thank our sponsor BetterHelp, who's been with us for so long and for this new season of dateable we really want you to think about like what is it that's stopping you from finding love and happiness what is preventing you from achieving your goals 
The simple answer is you need to prioritize your mental health. We at Datable are huge fans of therapy and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. So it's super fast. They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from stress, anxiety, New Year's resolutions, trauma, depression, grief, you name it, they can help you with it. For the new year and for this new season, we wish for all of you to live a happier, healthier life. And that's why as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash dateable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is also brought to you by a book called The Duke Heist by Erica Ridley. A secret identities, forbidden love, opposites attract romance from a New York Times bestselling author. Why seduce a Duke the normal way when you can accidentally kidnap one in an elaborately planned heist? Here are the deets. Years ago, Chloe Winchester and five other uniquely talented orphans were adopted by a wealthy baron with a secret mission. The motley Winchester family fights for justice from the margins of highest society. So some reviewers have compared the series to the Umbrella Academy, which I love, but it's not paranormal. There's a strong family dynamic and each sibling has very unique skills that help them save the day. You can grab your copy of the Duke Heist at your favorite store or visit ericaridley.com for more info. There's a special bonus for a limited time. If you buy the Duke Heist and register your purchase on Erica's website, she'll send you a free bonus Winchester novella. Just visit Erica Ridley, that's spelled E-R-I-C-A-R-I-D-L-E-Y dot com. Awesome. So yeah, shall we get into Connor? Let's get into the good stuff. Let's do it. The one and only Mr. Connor Beaton. This episode in particular, we're talking about this buzz phrase, emotionally available. Connor, hello. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Connor Beaton is our guest of honor for this episode. He currently lives in New York. He's been there for two years, originally from Burr, Edmonton, Canada. I can't even say Edmonton without just wanting to put on more clothes. Uh, he's in his mid-30s. He's married. He's the founder of Man Talks, an international organization focused on men's health, wellness, success, and fulfillment. He's also an international speaker, podcast host of the Man Talks podcast, and works one-on-one with men who are looking to deepen their purpose, radically improve their intimate relationships, and regain confidence. That seems like some heroic shit you're up to right there. (laughs) (laughs) Changing the world. We thought you were the perfect person to talk about emotional availability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. And we often hear this phrase, emotionally available. I'm looking for someone emotionally available. What do you think being emotionally available means to you? It's a good question. I mean, I think there's, I think everybody has their sort of like subjective definition of what that looks like. For me, I think emotionally available is connected to an individual's openness to a relationship. I think those two things are usually tied together, right? It's like when we hear the word, somebody's not emotionally available, it's usually because they're, they're not open to having a relationship. They're not open to wanting to be connected in intimacy. But I think to drill a little bit deeper, being emotionally available is about being connected and aware of one's emotions. So we we first need to 
have an understanding of like, what am I experiencing emotionally? What am I actually feeling? Am I connected to and dialed into those aspects of myself? Or have I been conditioned to ignore those parts of myself in order to be strong or perceived a certain way or protect myself or whatever the case may be? So for me, emotional availability is less about are we allowing other people to access us and our emotions and more about do we even have an awareness mm. of our own emotions to begin with? Because we can't let other people access our emotions if we haven't accessed them first. And I think that's where most people misconstrued it. It's like, I can't, you know, I can't seem to connect with his emotions. Or I can't get his emotions. Mm -hmm. or I can't feel her or whatever the case may be. And it's usually an indication that either that person is protecting themselves and they don't want, I know mm -hmm. I'm sort of unpacking a few things here, but it's usually that they don't feel like they can fully trust in that dynamic or that relationship or that they haven't connected to that part of themselves to begin with. And so maybe I'll, maybe I'll pause there because I just said a bunch of stuff. No, I'd pack away. I love it. But I guess maybe like, I'd love to know, like, how does this show up differently for men and women? Because I've definitely think it does show up differently. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I break this down into the masculine and the feminine. So rather than going mm. between men and women specifically looking at the masculine and the feminine, which, you know, are sort of energies, right? Mm -hmm. Carl Jung called them the anima and the animus. And that represented the feminine and the masculine. We could use yin and yang. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at that, but it's just a, a framework. I think for the men and traditionally masculine, we have been told a few things, right? Generally, men growing up hearing things like, you know, real men don't cry. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there's a bit of an indoctrination to hide certain emotions, to not feel certain things, or at the very least, to not allow other people to witness those parts of us, right? Maybe we feel them behind closed doors. Mm. And I usually call this the one rule of men, right? The one rule of men is very similar to Fight Club, which is the first rule <laughs> of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. right? so, the, so the first rule of being a man is you don't talk about what it's like to be a man. Right. And a lot of that is about emotional availability. And a lot of that is about emotional connection. So when we say um, things like, you know, don't, don't, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when, when a guy hears things like, you know, don't, don't be such a fucking pussy or, mm -hmm. you know, man up or whatever the case may be, what he's being told and what men are often told is that there is strength in emotional suppression. Okay. Mm -hmm. Strength and emotional suppression. So I think the big difference between men and women or the masculine and feminine is that men are often taught and told that they will be perceived as stronger for emotionally suppressing, suppressing, mm -hmm. for not showing certain emotions, for not connecting to those emotions within them or expressing them. I think women have um, quite a bit more liberty or um, permission, I guess you could say, culturally to be connected with their emotions. And so there's also an expectation that's pressed on women that mm. you should be emotionally intelligent, that you should be connected to your emotions, that you should be the emotionally available one in the relationship. That's your job and responsibility. And so there's a lot of indoctrination that um, women experience where they're sort of told like you should be emotionally connected. And if you're not, there's something wrong. And so those are sort of the the two different sides of of the coin. What we see in a and you know, this is sort of shifted quite a bit in modern day relationships where there are a lot of more masculine oriented women and there's a lot of more feminine oriented mm -hmm. men. 
And so there are a lot of men who are starting to connect to their emotional bodies. And there's a lot of women who are starting to connect to this very sort of assertive aspect within themselves. And so it's interesting because if you talk to uh, some people that are in the dating world, it's like, you know, one of the challenges that let's just say, um, some women that I've, that have reached out to me pretty regularly will say is like, I have trouble finding a man that can handle me. Right. Mm. I have trouble finding. Oh, yes. I identify with that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like I've been told that I'm too much or I'm too hard to handle or, you know, whatever the case may be. And there, there's many different iterations of this, but for for some, it's an indicator that they've maybe over identified with certain masculine qualities within mm. them. And a man is confronted because when they start dating, he doesn't feel like he's getting the full emotional mm. um, aspects to her. So he might be used to dating some women that are very connected to their emotions and maybe they're emotional. And all of a sudden he's dating a woman that is not bringing a lot of her emotions into the relationship. And so he's kind of like, oh, what do I, what do, I do here? How do I handle this? So I just had a bunch of stuff again. So I'm going to pause there. <laughs> no, I, this, is, this is so good because we're unpacking so much. I find that exactly. dichotomy of this situation very interesting because things are changing. I do, I do feel like speaking in the feminine and the masculine energies is the right way to do it because I, gender roles are very much blurred now. But I'm just thinking back to my like 20s and how my girlfriends dated. They always said, I want a man who's emotionally available. Mm. And then I see the way they're raising their sons. And it's, how many girlfriends do you have? Oh, if she doesn't like you back, you ignore her. Oh, don't <laughs> don't cry in front of her. But so they kind of are raising their sons in a way that they wouldn't want to date a man. So I'm guessing part of your work is really to reconcile that. Like, how do you undo all those years of suppressing your mm -hmm. emotions? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, first, I think is important to come into contact of the impact that it's been having on the individual, right? So a lot of men first need to come into contact with like, what's the price that I've been paying for this emotional suppression? Generally, it's a lack of true intimacy, right? They'll really be desiring mm -hmm. intimacy, closeness, connection, but the, what they're experiencing and what they're getting is actually, um, you know, a lot of loneliness, a lot of isolation. They're, they feel disconnected from their partner. They're not getting their needs met in the relationship. And so first we need to come into contact with like, what, what's the price that you're paying for this emotional avoidance? The next thing is to start to realize that there is an, an immense amount of strength and freedom which the masculine craves within all of us, right? The masculine within all of us desires a deep sense of freedom and purpose and direction and order and structure and all those all those things. And so, so the masculine is sort of looking for that type of freedom and liberation. But when we are withholding, we are actually going against our tr sort of true nature. Mm -hmm. So we start to unpack with a lot of men, how are you feeling constricted, right? How are you playing small? How is your relationship suffering because of this part? You know, and so starting to explore those aspects. And then I think the last piece is talking about, you know, Brene Brown's got a great quote where she says something along the lines of there is no 
courage without vulnerability. It doesn't mm -hmm. exist. And you you simply cannot have courage without vulnerability. You cannot be brave without vulnerability. And so it's like de-villainizing vulnerability, right? The the like the the scary V word for a lot of men that is getting tossed around a lot, right? And so I think a lot of guys hear, I need to be more vulnerable. I need to be more open. You know, women want me to be more open and more vulnerable. Like, what does that even mean? Where do I even start? Right. And so it's about moving it more towards what does real strength look like? You know, not mm -hmm. this strength that comes from having to hide shit or lie about things or suppress how you're feeling, but what does strength look like from a courageous space where you're getting to be honest? We're getting to be mm -hmm. transparent because there is a certain level of vulnerability around saying, hey, here's the kind of sex that I want to explore. You know, mm -hmm. here's what I want things to look like in the bedroom or, you know, I, I'm really into you and, and like that feels foreign to me, you know, <laughs> like, so the, these types of things, it, you know, it really is about training and how do I want to say this? It's about allowing a man to deprogram these old narratives that are, that are preventing him from actually having the quality of relationship that he's looking for and sending him on a journey of developing a deeper sense of self resiliency and self-leadership because we are not leading ourselves effectively when we are suppressing. We're just not. Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're hiding. We're having to hide a lie. We're having to pretend like we don't feel a certain way. We're having mm -hmm. to continue to, to sort of wallow in our own dysfunction and want something different, you know, want more and we can never be satiated. So this is, this is really a part of masculine maturation of a man's initiation. And unfortunately, most men in our culture are missing this part where, you know, we're severely lacking on initiation rituals and initiating men into more mature versions of themselves. So these are the types of pieces that, that they need to start to explore. And it really, I think for a lot of men, it does come down to self-leadership, right? So so teaching them some of the skill sets of self-leadership, because I think for a lot of guys and, and for a lot of women that they're dating, what a lot of women are looking for is a man who is leading himself, right? Who knows how to connect with oh, his emotions, yeah. who knows how to speak about what he wants, who knows how to own what he wants um, and and be able to bring that into the relationship so that she doesn't have to guess, you mm -hmm, know, because I right. think the the worst thing for the feminine, I think an often worst thing for women is like not knowing what the hell oh a man is thinking yes. and being like, what yes. the fuck is going on? And in then you? we make shit up. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And then there's just a tremendous story going <laughs> on yeah <laughs> so i want to go to you to your personal story because mm -hmm. i saw on your bio and i think this is a super interesting um line that you said that you bought into the most dangerous rule of men if you're struggling don't talk about mm -hmm. it can you tell us a little more about like what you were going through and how you kind of got out of this into the evolved emotionally available man you are today mm -hmm. yeah so I mean, for a number of years, I'm trying to condense that. I'm going to try and condense this into <laughs> something just You're like, how do tangible. I pack my whole life into like five yeah, minutes? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a, in its shortest version possible for a number of years, I put out this very well manicured mask into the world, right? And I, I lived what I thought a man should be. I worked construction, I rode motorcycles, I street raced, I drank a lot, you know, I got into bar fights, I slept around, I like, I did that thing. Um, and, 
I also explored the other, you know, like the other side of things. I sang opera. I like, you know, I mm. traveled the world. I, you know, did, did all those parts. I kind of reached a place in my life where I had a great girlfriend. I had a great relationship. I had a great career. I had the toys, the motorcycles, the cars, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and behind the scenes, I was miserable. You know, I was unfaithful. Mm-hmm. I was cheating a lot. I was lying mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I was watching copious amounts of pornography. Like it was just, I was out of control. I think that's the, that's the simplest way to say it. But nobody knew that I was out of control, not a soul. Mm-hmm. And my life came to a rock bottom moment, right? I had a I had a, a sort of crash or collapse where I got caught cheating. My career started to fall apart and I didn't want anybody to know. So I didn't tell anybody. So I lived out of the back of my car for a few weeks oh my and gosh. I hid. I tried to hide. I tried to double down on everything that I had mm. been doing up until that point, which most of us you know, do. We hold on for as long as possible. <laughs> uh, and, and eventually I realized that that wasn't working and that this method of avoidance and suppression and you know hiding my own pain um hiding where i felt lost or depressed or uh, where i was really angry at life or my family or whatever the case may be um that hiding that stuff wasn't working and so i started to connect with some of the other men in my life i started to tell my friends what was going on everything just started to unfold out of that space you know i spent the next two and a half years diving into personal work and working with a mentor and you know doing therapy and studying Jungian psychology and like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it brought me to this place where I realized that that suppression and this uh, sort of core wound that we all carry of feeling like we don't belong or feeling that like we're not enough is really damaging. And when we hide the ways in which we feel like we're not enough, we are never satiated. We, we never really feel like we're connected in intimacy with our partners. And so, you know, it was a long journey for me to get to where I am today, being married and having a child on the way mm-hmm. and running a really successful company and working with men. And uh, it was, it's a long journey, you know, it's been almost a decade, but I think some of the integral parts along the way for me as a man was finding a mentor, was finding an, another group of men where I could be open and transparent. Um, a lot of men in our modern culture lack real masculine, real male relationships. And mm-hmm. so they might have a lot of female relationships, mm-hmm. but be very, very disconnected from the men in their life. And mm. for a lot of men, that's that's very, um, it's sad. You know, it's like when we get when we get down to it, it's sad. And a lot of the men that I speak with, they feel like they don't know how to make friendships with men. They feel like they don't, they can't be open or transparent. And so there's something disconnecting about that with their own gender, with their own identity. It's like, mm-hmm. I am a man, but I can't connect with men. So right. how can you connect with the man and you if you can't connect with the men in your life. And you know what? Before we dive into this topic, let's take a second for our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly 
pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, <laughs> wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, you is going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then going back to that, because this is uh, this is hitting a chord with me, because I do have a lot of male friends who say to me that I'm waiting for my rock bottom moment. Mm-hmm. They're basically taking initiative to get in trouble in life mm-hmm. so that they can flip their life around. They kind of want that two weeks in the back of a car being caught with this and that so mm-hmm. that they can turn their, their life around. And I find that very dangerous because... That's a dark hole that some people may not be able to crawl out of. So what are some ways that people can prevent 
going to that rock bottom moment and still turn their life around with great motivation and courage. Yeah. I mean, really, really astute observation, I would say. And it's a really important question and it, because it is true. You know, a lot of the men, like, there's a great saying that this therapist, Francis Weller has, he says, men don't come to therapy by choice. They come to therapy by yes. circumstance. Yes. Right. And so the idea here is that, and this is true often, that men, we have this hurdle that we need to overcome, this stigma that you're, you're fucked, you're broken as a man if you need help, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. such a, it, and, it, and it, again, this is part of the lack of initiation that a lot of men experience. This idea that we need to hit rock bottom as men is predicated and built on the back of us not having any kind of initiation. There's no, there's mm. no initiation for men that signifies that they're not a child anymore, that they're not a boy psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically. There's nothing. And, and so a lot of men, they don't feel like they've fully entered into adulthood. It, when you really drill down mm. psychologically, I've met a lot of men that are in their 30s and 40s and 50s and sometimes even 60s mm. when they come into the work. And what I'm met with is an, an adult, a man who has a tremendous amount of responsibility, who's who has a family, who's running a company or has a career and still on the inside feels out of control and like a child hmm. because nothing has, he's never had an initiatory experience. And so what's, what a lot of men do is they create those. They crave that hmm. rock bottom moment so that they can hmm. go through an initiation so they can feel like they've gone through an initiation process to say, I overcame that thing. That's what it was for me. You know, I was like, hmm. I overcame that thing. I got through it. I, you know, like I didn't take my own life. I didn't leave this, this world, even though I may have thought about it. And mm -hmm. so I think for a lot of men, that's what rock bottom symbolizes for them. Interesting. It's, the, it's like the hazing. dark night of the soul, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's going through that experience where, you know, we sort of come into contact with death in some way, whether it's the death of our ego or of a relationship or of our career or what, you know, whatever that might be. And so um, to answer your question more directly, we can create those experiences, right? We can identify that we're, we are, we are pulling ourselves down a path of self-destruction. You know, men and women alike, we all self-destruct in some ways, right? The, the shadow of our mind, mm -hmm. our pain, right? Again, there's a, another wonderful saying that says our pain has its own intelligence and it's always trying to be witnessed. It's always trying mm -hmm. to be heard. And, and so that pain is constantly trying to get our attention. So we, as men can identify, I'm sabotaging the shit out of my relationship. I'm cheating. Yeah. I'm unfaithful. I'm lying or like I'm, I'm, fucking up my career or you know, I'm really destroying my body and my mind, you know, in, in my health. And we can identify that maybe that's because we haven't been taught or trained or shown how to be mature adults or we we have missed something, right? We've missed something important. And, and perhaps that's, you know, having other men see us grieve or having somebody mm -hmm. witness our pain or having somebody to sit with so that we can say, I had a rough go or I'm having a rough go and I don't know how to deal with that. And to come back into contact with the reality that we're, that we're not completely alone. You can move towards that rock bottom and wait for it to happen or you can bring yourself to it. You can bring yourself to that initiation experience by seeking out other people that have maybe gone through that and can support you through it. Right. And that you are 
not less of a man, but will be more of one by doing that. Mm. And, and that you'll be able to actualize a part of your masculinity that maybe you've been trying to uh, carve or build or construct, mm -hmm. but haven't been able to. Because again, a lot of these men, from what my experience is, just feel out of control in some way. Right. And there's a lot of shame about being out of control because as the masculine within us, we, we confuse order and structure with control. So we think that we should be in control when what we actually need is just order and structure. So I'll, I'll pause there. So one of the things that we actually, one of the best dating profiles I think I've seen is a guy that wrote that I'm socially distant yet emotionally available. <laughs> and it's gotten a lot of buzz in our community. And I was wondering like with what you were just saying with like, like doing the work, like how can women see if men are emotionally available, especially in like the early stages of dating when you may just not know someone well enough? Like what are some of the signs that someone's done that work? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think a few things. One, it'll probably feel confronting. It might feel a little foreign. Um, mm. But a man that's done his work will have some internal structure and order in his life. He'll be able to um, set boundaries. He'll be clear about what he wants and where he is. So you'll you'll come into contact with a man who knows what he wants, and there's a little bit more clarity there if he's done some internal work. So it'll it'll feel in some ways more safe, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm trying to describe this from, from the <laughs> lens, but it'll mm -hmm. feel a little bit more safe. It, it'll feel like you have a better idea of where the relationship is going because, because he'll be honest about it. He'll be mm -hmm. transparent about it. He'll be able to say, this is what I want. You know, I, I want an open relationship or I'm just looking to, you know, have sex or I'm, I'm actually looking for a committed long-term relationship. Is that what you want as well? And so you'll feel more clarity from him. So those are some indicators that a man has sort of stepped into that. And also he'll talk about, ideally, he'll talk about his own growth and development. So there'll be mm. a um, humility within him. He'll be able to speak about his fuck ups and mm -hmm. some of the challenges that he's faced and obstacles that he's overcome because those things won't be things that he's ashamed of. Um, mm -hmm. And so there'll be this balance of humility, but also a, a sort of clarity and confidence that he'll um, embody. And, but I think the bigger thing that I would really encourage, we're using a, a heterosexual dynamic, but what I would really encourage women to to be conscious of is how they feel in their body around the men that they're dating. Mm -hmm. Because a, a man that isn't doing the work or isn't present within himself will feel different in a woman's body. From my experience, I'm, I'm going off of just the work that I've done and what, what my, you know, wife communicates and all, all these types of things, <laughs> but a, a man that's the best source, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, a man that, a man that's in the work and is clear and direct on what he wants will feel different in your body than a man that feels chaotic, right. Than a man mm -hmm. who hasn't done those things. And generally, again, there's an ease and a comfort and a uh, an experience of safety that comes along with some of those things. Now, it doesn't mean that he's responsible for giving you that, but it does mm -hmm. mean that you experience those things when dating 
when dating a man that's in that stage, mm-hmm. um, when dating a man that's in that in that phase. So those are some of the things to look for. The biggest indicator that I can give you is how it feels in your body to be around him, because the majority of men that aren't doing the work, you'll feel it and you'll mm-hmm. feel a mistrust and you'll feel. And again, this is predicated on you know, if you have a lot of trauma and stuff like that, or betrayal mm-hmm. that you're working through, then that's a little bit more cumbersome. But even then, there'll still be a deeper quality of safety within your body with that man, because some, you know, your intuition, your physical sensation, your emotional body, your spiritual body will tune into him and know that it's a little bit more safe with him than with somebody who's, you know, just looking to have a, a one night stand, but is telling you that they, right. what they want is something else, right? Like you'll. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I'm just curious. Those are indicators from a, the receiving end. What are some indicators that you can find in yourself to say, ah, oh, I think I am emotionally available. Cause I do think this phrase gets thrown around quite carelessly. I think people use it in the way they talk about, I'm self-aware, but are you really? And I think for women, especially it gets confusing because I think being emotional emotional and open to relationships doesn't necessarily make you emotionally available. So mm-hmm. what are some indicators that we can recognize in ourselves to know, I think I'm there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. So a few things that I would maybe point to. The first one is we know that we're a little bit more emotionally available because we are reflecting inward. We're looking inward for some of our own answers. We're looking inward for, does this feel right for me? We're seeking less validation externally. Mm. We're seeking less praise. We need to prove less. That's another big one, right? So for a lot Mm -hmm. of people that aren't emotionally available, they're constantly trying to prove, right? I want to prove to you that I'm emotionally available. I want to prove to you that I'm ready. I want to prove to you, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so there's a, a quality of being connected to a certainty within us that says, I, I, I am ready for this. And there's a knowingness. Mm-hmm. So those are a few things that we can look for within ourselves. Like, have we done the work to get to a place where we're a little bit more clear on what it is that we want, where we're not seeking so much validation, where we're able to tend to our own self-worth and, and we're able to give ourselves not in an arrogant way uh, the things that we need, but in a but in a a grounded way, right? Where we mm. can say, "I'm actually I'm good on my own, and I really enjoy being on my own." Which is hard in this time right now because we're all fucking quarantined, right. <laughs> like, right? and the single people are like, "I'm actually tired of being alone." Like, give me give me some damn you know dates, and I feel like I'm totally fine with it. But then I'm also like, "Am I too emotionally?" Right, right, right. Can you be too emotionally available? That's yes. a follow up question. Yes, 100%. Yes. Again, so so I love this. So, uh, you know, vulnerability is earned. So can you be too emotionally available? Absolutely. Right. So there are a lot of people that will use vulnerability that will use their emotions unconsciously often as a means of luring people in as a means Hmm. of creating really quick really close, really like fiery. It feels super intense, right? It's sort of like love addict archetype that Mm. is so open all the time, just open, 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 that they sort of attract everything in, right? The Mm. attract in the men and the women who don't want a relationship, don't want the same things that they do. They attract in the people that do. They, I mean, they just attract Mm. in so much because there is this wildly open emotionally availability. It's like, here's everything. And that's alluring 
it's like in mythology the sirens that that sort of lure in the the ships and the sailors right there's a this quality to it that's like sensual and sensuous and like it's it's not mysterious but it fe- it gives the illusion of safety because you get so much right mm. so there is such a thing as being too emotionally open i don't think that it, i would call it emotionally available mm. i would i would call it emotionally enmeshed i would call it maybe emotionally manipulative mm, um, manipulative so don't put that on your dating profile. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I th- I think this is what I would say is there are some people who need to distinguish the difference between whether they are projecting like they want a man or a woman who's emotionally open, but they want somebody who's emotionally open on their terms. Right. Mm. So they are deciding and defining like, oh, you're emotionally open or you're not emotionally open. And there's like this checklist that they have. (laughs) So rather than tuning into what does it feel like to be around you? Do I feel safe? Do I feel connected to you? Do I feel like there's intimacy between us? Do I feel like uh, this is building trust? Right. Those are indicators that you and another person are emotionally open, that those things are starting to progress. They're starting to happen. Mm. Um, And But I think a lot of people are are very sort of quick to judge. They're not tuned into how they're what they're actually experiencing, what they're feeling within their body. In our Western culture, we live up in our heads, and we mm. we very quickly are rationalizing whether somebody is something or not, and we get caught in this trap yeah. of. There's an Einstein quote I'm just going to share really quick where he says, the the rational mind is a faithful servant and the intuitive mind is a sacred gift. Mm -hmm. And we've created a culture that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And so many people in our culture are not making intuitive decisions because they are disconnected from their sensual body. They're disconnected from their emotional body. They're disconnected from their intuitive body. And so they're, they're trying to figure out whether a partner is right or wrong based on rational thinking. And it's very, very flat. It's very one-dimensional. And so we need to cultivate and train ourselves to go deeper into what do I experience around this person? How do I actually feel in, in my body, right? In my heart, in my belly, right? How does it feel just in, in the quality of my emotions around them? Do they feel safe? So I think all of those things are are important distinctions. So I'm really glad that we're going down this because I have a personal example that I'd love you. She's been waiting this whole time. Do you see her her body language? She's like, I'm ready. I can feel it in my body, guys. This isn't my thoughts anymore. It's my body. (laughs) So this is something that I feel like has been a blocker for me in relationships where I feel like I'm dating someone emotionally available. And then something happens like externally in their life that doesn't go well. And then they feel like it feels like they're pushing me away or pulling away from it. And I guess my question for you is like, and I'll I'll equate to my body when this happens, I don't feel good. Like I feel like my body tensing up. I feel like it's not becoming emotionally available, but then my mind starts to kick in. And I wonder like, is this just a difference between men and women and how men process hardship and emotion? Or is it a sign that they aren't emotionally available when things aren't going well in life? Mm, Okay. So good question. (laughs) Can I, can I ask you a few questions? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I I will witness on the side. Can I guide guide you really quick? (laughs) So just connect to your breath for a second. Just take a few, few breaths and just like, okay, audience do this with us. us. (laughs) Go into this. 
Okay. So I'm going to give you some questions and they'll be first person and, and they'll just be missing the end. Okay. So when somebody pulls it, when my partner pulls away, what it feels like in my body is tense. Okay. Like stomach pit. Yeah. And where I feel that, where, where that tension feels familiar is like abandonment mm -hmm. to the connect the abandonment, become aware of it and just become aware of that sensation. So that abandonment feels familiar to what in my childhood. So growing up, I felt abandoned when um, my dad would shut down emotionally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm really attuned to people that aren't willing to kind of talk through things when there's struggles. Yeah. So, so good. So what are you feeling right now as you talk about this? Uh, clarity. Okay. Yeah. And what else? Um, I want to say hopefulness a bit. Yeah. yeah so so good. So there's there's a really quick connection there, right? Is that there's you're very attuned to when a man or when a partner or when anybody in your life starts to shut down, right? And maybe pulls away. And this mm -hmm. is very common, right? We all have, again, like I said, our pain has our own intelligence. So our pain is constantly looking at, am I safe or am I not safe? So what is this person doing? So you're very attuned to a partner shutting down in the face of something happening in their life. So there's a good... Mm -hmm there's some good structure that needs to be in a relationship for you to feel safe, right? So you need to be able to communicate what I need in a relationship is what? Um, someone to be kind of honest about what they're going through and willing to talk about it. Yeah. What would it feel like to say that to a partner? Um, I mean, I feel like I have said stuff like uh -huh. that. It's just like, I've had this happen in different scenarios, like a very serious relationship, mm. and then something that hasn't fully got off the ground. So sometimes it's hard to like distinguish, like, is it that we're just not comfortable enough yet, mm. versus we are. And I think sometimes it's been met with in a serious relationship, like, yes, but then it still happens. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they're meeting it, but not really following through with it, which then just makes me feel like more unsafe, which is essentially why things didn't work out yeah yeah which is again it's very common right we we mm. tend to like repeat the patterns that have caused this pain growing up and so you know i think there's a part like you can meet that situation with your partner and and say i think it needs to be met with vulnerability it's like you know mm -hmm. here's when this happens it feels like i'm being abandoned and so what i need from you is this and and I, you know, I want to be able to have these conversations. Is that something that you are open to? And then here's the thing is that you may have attracted a partner who's a little bit more avoidant, right? That sounds like mm -hmm. some avoidant mm -hmm. tendencies. Yep. So it it's, again, it's something that has to be followed up on. And the hard part about all this is that our wounds come out in relationships, right? We're all looking for safety in relationships. And, and I think there's sort of like this hope that it'll show up in a way where it just happens, right? But it's, it right. takes work, you know, it takes tremendous amounts of work. And so I think, um, my invitation it would be, you know, in the, are you, are you dating somebody right now? Now we're getting um, personal. I'm putting Earl you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I, I almost forgot I was here. I, know, I, was I, feel, like <laughs> I feel like we went from a podcast to therapy. I thought session. I was just like watching a TV show just now. Oh, wow. I'm still here. <laughs> I guess this is, yeah, like I'm start I'm exploring something new. And I think that's where I'm like, is it my old stuff coming in that I'm like mm -hmm. super conscious mm -hmm. of this? Or is it a sign that this person and I just aren't compatible? Yeah. That's where I'm like struggling. So I, I'll I'll just say one last thing and then we can we can move forward from this because I, I don't want to keep putting <laughs> you on the spot. No, it's, it's super interesting. It's like unpacking yeah. it real time. But what I would say is for you to be able to self-soothe and self-regulate in those moments, like what does it feel like for you when that person starts to shut down? 
you know, and, and tending to that part within you that is, you know, when they start to shut down, they start to pull away. How do you normally react? Honestly, how do you normally react to that? I freak out. Uh-huh. I get anxious. I get yes. texts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. I get texts. I get lots of text messages. <laughs> right? Perfect. <laughs> you ain't knows what I'm going through. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So... So that's, there's, a, there's some chaos that comes up. There's some fear. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you, maybe you start to question the dynamic and the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep, for right? sure. Right. And so there's the opportunity for you to emotionally connect with yourself and start to soothe and regulate that fear and that anxiety and that pain so that you can go back into the conversation with your partner and say, here's what's really important to me. I'm not going to chase you. And I'm not interested in a relationship where we can't have these kinds of conversations. I'm interested Mm -hmm. in you, but I'm not interested in a relationship where I am constantly having to feel anxious or like we can't talk about these things because this is a non-negotiable for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of quality can only come when we've regulated ourselves, when we've dealt with that part of us that's fearful and panicking and, mm-hmm. you know, spiraling out and making stories about, you know, them and what there's going on for them. And they might not be emotionally regulated or emotionally available because notice that that's where you went first. Right. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, you totally turned it around. I love yeah. it. It's like now it's not about if someone is emotionally available or not. It's like tuning into your own emotions. And I love the, just having the conversation and seeing at that stage where someone reacts. Opposed yeah. to- so Pina gallery here, I, yeah. I yeah. can already hear <laughs> some of our listeners saying that sounds great when you say it, but I'm afraid of saying that because I'm afraid of chasing them away. We hear this mm-hmm. all the time. I'm I'm afraid of saying mm-hmm. the truth and being honest and telling them my needs and boundaries because I it's so early on in a relationship. I right. don't want them to be scared. Yeah. What yeah. do we say to that? What do, we, what do we tell everyone who is freaking out right now? They're like, yeah. or it's like so hard to meet someone good. I met yeah. someone good. I don't want to like lose this opportunity. Oh. There's like this scarcity uh-huh. mindset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things. One, if you are self-regulating, right? If you see that moment where you, you start to panic and maybe make stories about the other person or there's a concern about them, in those moments, all we can do is regulate ourselves, lead ourselves, and and make clear the structure of the relationship that we're desiring. And if we, from a self-regulated, emotionally available, emotionally open place, have a conversation with somebody about the kind of structure that we need in a relationship to feel safe and they run good, right? Good. Stop allowing ourselves, stop allowing yourself to to be afraid to push away the wrong people that don't want the same thing as you. Amen. We we have become far too conditioned in our culture of saying the thing that we actually need out of fear of of scaring off the wrong fucking people. <laughs> right? And it's like, but I love her, but she's the but he's the one. It's like, ah, come on. It's like Disney sold you a shitty bill of goods, you know? It's like let go of the Disney princess or the <laughs> Disney prince ideology. It's not workable, it's not functionable. It's a very juvenile and I'm saying some very direct things here, so hopefully I'm not triggering too no. many people, but it's a very it's a very juvenile version and we We stay in hurt to avoid feeling hurt, right? Just hear that. We stay in hurt 
in order to avoid feeling hurt. It's like, I'll just keep not getting what I want in this relationship so that I don't have to get hurt in the future by this person mm -hmm. leaving me. It's like, that's not workable, right? So again, our job is to regulate ourselves and then have the conversation. And if they can't meet us in that place, they're not ready for it or they don't want that, that's okay. You know, we have to be willing to risk being with ourselves a little longer than we feel comfortable so that we can find the relationship where people can be with us and, and truly meet us. And we have to be very clear on what our non-negotiables are in a relationship mm -hmm. and what we're just not willing to, to stand for. And I think that that's very important. And it's part of being emotionally available. If you don't know what your non-negotiables are, not fully emotionally available. You're emo you're probably mm. more emotionally closed than you think you are. And you're sacrificing yep. yourself in order to get what you call intimacy, in order to get what you call your needs met, right? And so we need to be willing to get very honest with ourselves because what I've learned about relationships is like, we can have many relationships and the common thread is us. And until we really start to see that, right? Intimacy, the, oh, this is the last thing I'll say and then I'll pause. The root <laughs> of intimacy is a Greek word called intimus, intimus. And intimus means innermost. Mm. And so the, the etymology of intimacy literally means to go innermost with yourself, right? Into me, I see first and foremost. So we need to get very tuned in and dialed in to our own quality of self-understanding, self-regulation, connecting to our emotions, connecting to our, our sexual and sensual bodies to understand those parts before expecting another person to be able to meet those needs because half mm. the time we don't even know what they are. So go innermost, right? Go innermost and build that relationship, connect to those parts within yourself first. And then, the, then there's many possibilities because then I'm not beholden to needing to get something from someone else because mm. I already got it. I already got it. I'm already giving it to myself. That is mm. so fascinating because it kind of goes full circle to what we we're talking about earlier, how, and I think I admittedly just did it in the question I asked you, is that women are, exp are kind of assume that they're emotionally available and assume that men aren't sometimes mm -hmm. where it, it might not be the case, like in the sense of making it, it does come from yourself more. And it's not always about just like kind of looking at one behavior and making a judgment from that. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. what are ways that women, I mean, I think maybe it's just men and women, like what you were just saying, or just how they attune to themselves and look at that. But are there any other ways too, that people can get more in touch with their emotional availability? Mm. Or even I, I think if we want to go down this route too, is that big V word vulnerability. Yeah. And I think, you yep. know, a lot of people haven't lost their V card in terms of vulnerability. And, but they say that I was watching the yeah. bachelor last night and the bachelor is like, I'm all about vulnerability. Show me your vulnerability. It's not that easy. You can't just tell someone to, to show right. is a buzzword. So how can people open themselves up to be more vulnerable instead of having someone else tell them, just be vulnerable. You'll be fine. And like, what is vulnerable? Yeah, what does right. that even mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is such a, a buzzword and it's it's gotten into this point culturally where, you know, it's it's sort of used as a weapon now against people. It's like, well, you're not oh, totally. vulnerable. You know, yes. You're not being vulnerable. And this is like, oh, my God. It's like, well, maybe you haven't earned. Maybe you're not safe enough for me to be vulnerable. Right. You know, right. you haven't even earned the right for my vulnerability. Why would I give you that? You know, you're trying to force it out of me or you're demanding it of me. I think in a lot of relationships, there's a there's a 
rejection or a constriction or an unwillingness to be vulnerable because it's demanded. You know, there's a lot of men that start dating that start dating and they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to be vulnerable because it feels like you need this on date number two for me to tell you everything about myself. And that can feel constrictive, right? And and the inverse, right? Some men are very invasive. And for a woman, it's like, that doesn't feel safe. You know, like, why do you need to know where I live right now? <laughs> That's sort of an extreme <laughs> example. But, but so the question is, what can we do to create more vulnerability within ourselves or connect to that vulnerability within mm -hmm. ourselves? So I think the first thing is to start to define when and under what circumstances we feel somebody has earned our vulnerability. When has somebody really earned your vulnerability? I think it's a question that most of us don't ask. We're just told that we should be vulnerable, mm -hmm. but there's no conditions or structure or framework around when it's safe for us to do so. So when is it safe for us to be vulnerable? What, you know, what are some of the qualities of the individual that we want to be vulnerable with? How does it feel in our body? What are some of the things that we'd like to share with them? That's, that's first and foremost. And then secondly, to start to get clear on what are you avoiding? What are you hiding? What are you afraid of? What what parts of you feel as if they should be kept separate from the relationship? What parts of your life? What parts of your past? What parts of your desires and your cravings and your yearnings, whether that's emotionally, sexually, physically within a relationship, feel like they don't belong or get ostracized? And to start to connect with those parts within yourself to say, here are the things that I normally don't want to be vulnerable about, right? And, and then to see our vulnerabilities as sacred, you know, mm -hmm. as things that we shouldn't just give away or shouldn't want to just sell off to the, you know, the the first bidder um, and see them as sacred and see them as something that is meant to be cherished, that's meant to be shared with somebody and, and in a framework of a relationship where it's safe to do so, where it's, and where it's honorable, where there's respect. I think the thing that I would say the most for the men that are listening to this and and to the women as well but to the men specifically is notice how respect impacts your relationship notice how important respect is so a lot of men will feel like they can't commit in a relationship but they don't won't know why and it's because they on some level struggle to either respect themselves so they don't feel like they are respectable and then they don't feel like they should be chosen. So they start to sabotage or pull away or they can't commit or whatever the case may be because they feel like they aren't worthy or they don't fully respect their partner and they haven't come to terms with it. Hmm. So respect is a really important part. And if we don't have respect for our partner, how the hell are we supposed to be vulnerable with them? Right? right. How are we supposed to share Can't. our intimate, <laughs> you know, these innermost parts of ourselves with somebody that we don't fully respect? And so those are the the main pieces. Be res become someone who respects themselves at a deep level, and then and then be open to finding somebody that you respect equally. I have I have the wow. utmost respect for my wife. I think she is brilliant. I think she's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I and I respect her as much as I love her. And I think that that is incredibly important in modern relationships that are sort of lacking that quality. Wow. I feel like there's been so many things in this that have blown my mind. Uh, I think just like going into some of our takeaways, because this conversation mm -hmm. has been incredible and definitely one that I feel like I'll listen to a couple of times over. <laughs> but I think the biggest takeaway that I got from this is that instead of 
looking for someone that's emotionally available. Look in yourself and see how available you are. And I think like, uh, I mean, this exercise you did with me was wonderful, but sometimes you think that you've done all this work, but there's still more out there. And it's also putting the work to practice and having those difficult conversations. Like it's easier to do this like more theoretically, but it's harder to do it in practice with someone. And I think there's a big difference between being emotional and emotionally available. A very big difference. My biggest takeaway is what you're saying, Connor, is this disconnect that we all feel. Everything is in our head. And we say it all the time. I'm so in my head right now because we don't feel it in our heart. We don't feel it in our core. And I was reading this this article about our perception of time and how as you get older, time seems to fly by much faster because you have less new experiences. Mm. So all the all the same experiences you have, it just makes the time fly by because you're like, I've been there. But as a child, you're so connected to your senses that everything you touch, everything you feel is a new experience. So time goes by really slowly because you're really present. And I love when kids get hurt, they yell really loud. They're like, oh my God, it hurts so bad. It really doesn't hurt so bad, but they want you to know that they're having this experience. And being so disconnected from our body is something that I really want to take away is I want to reconnect myself with even my inner child of just going beyond my head and being logical and thinking about the past experiences. How can I create new experiences so I can observe myself in a different way? So mm-hmm. thank you for that, because I'm I'm going to take that as my motto for the rest of the day today and try to implement it somehow. Yeah. I think also we started this conversation about men. And I do think like, yes, men are, they've societally been told to like suppress emotions more than women, but this is not an exclusive to men or women conversation. And I think like also no matter like what sexuality you are, like how you're approaching someone, this is going to happen regardless. And I think we do throw these terms vulnerable and emotionally available around a lot. And while it's good if someone says that they are, but I think it's like digging deeper into, again, yourself. And then also, what are you actually feeling around this person, not just what they're saying? Yeah. Connor, as a final question for you, what does being dateable mean to you? Oh, my goodness. I like (laughs) that's such a that's such a big one. But I think, again, I'll just I'll condense it to it's being tuned into what we are deeply desiring and what we're wanting and being clear on that and then being able to communicate that. Um, I think the world needs less people who don't know what they want on Tinder or Match or Plenty of Fish or whatever the hell, you know, profiler <laughs> in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's an old that's an old one. It's from Vancouver. It's from uh, the place that's that where I live. all the emotionally available people <laughs> are, right? That's right. Yeah. Oldie but a goodie. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's getting clear on on what we desire without without arrogance and, and sort of leaving our ego out of it and being able to unapologetically own that and and start to build that intimacy with ourselves. I think when when we develop intimacy with ourselves, then we're dateable. And until then, we're just looking to date other people. And there's a big difference. Mm. Wow. That's a good answer. We've had some good answers, but this was a good answer. Yeah. Can we take credit for it? Just kidding. Yeah. We yeah. Won't. <laughs> 
<laughs> we will not take credit for it. Thank you so much. Connor Beaton, everyone. If we want to learn more about you, what are some links, websites? Where can we find you? Yeah, I think the best place is on Instagram. I'm pretty active there at Mantalks, just Mantalks. And then uh, you can go to connorbeaton.com, which is my website. Those are probably the two main places. You have some great quotes on Instagram. Thanks. We follow you. Yes, you do. <laughs> we'll link all of that in our show notes. And for our listeners, if you want more great guests like Connor, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. This is what helps us get the best guests ever because it makes us seem legit. And we are legit, right, Connor? You can vouch for that now. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> he wasn't sure. He was like, hmm, who are these girls? Now he's like, okay, I'm they're cool. They're vulnerable. I'm good. I'm good with them. <laughs> and then we always wrap it up. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Mm-hmm.